All right, this is our first podcast, Live Current Trends in Education with Dr. Diaz. I'm very excited to have you here. We are going to be talking about online education. We're going to talk about trends in online education. We're going to look at things that can help you out and support you as you go through the online community and as you're learning this new style of classroom and different practices that are going to make your life easier. Today we have Bonnie Wartenberger as our guest and she'll be joining us in a moment. And I look forward to going through this journey with you. All right. So First up is just to get a little bit about me. I've been in education for a little over 25 years. I've been somewhat of a free agent when I started and I moved around quite a bit and I've taught in Hillsborough County, Pasco County, Pinellas County, and Sumter County in Florida. And in these counties, you know, I've gotten a I've learned a lot from a lot of different teachers. So we're going to get started. Well, just online experience as we go through today. And we're going to start out first introducing Bonnie and uh, Bonnie Wartenberger. I'll just give you a little bit on her bio. Bonnie has been employed with PAC since 2006. She holds a bachelor's degree and Florida teaching certificate in business education and a master's degree in vocational education with specialty in technology. She has over 25 years experience in the field, education field, which includes middle high community college and virtual instruction, as well as considerable experience working with suspension grants. She was appointed the position of franchise manager in 2013 with PAEC. Her desires to exist with the district in not only fulfilling virtual requirements, but to offer virtual solutions that are not possible in the constraints and budgets of a traditional brick and mortar school. Bonnie, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank All you right. for having me. Yes, ma'am. And do you want to share just a little bit of your, uh, any extras on your background in, uh, in education and your online background? Well, my, um, in general, you know, I started off as a classroom teacher and, um, in 2006, I, I work at an educational consortium and they, nobody wanted to do, or I started there in 2006 and, um, around 2013, um, nobody wanted to do virtual. And so I was the person that always got the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. And so I was handed, um, here, Bonnie, you do it. Be the franchise manager, an FLVS franchise manager. And um, I'll be honest, I did not know at all what I was doing. And for about the first six months, I just signed invoices and didn't make any decisions. And uh, But once I, I went to a couple trainings and um, I saw the potential for our small rural districts, especially for using virtual. And in that time from 2000. 13 till now we've we've grown from a hundred to three thousand students that we serve so uh, I love it <laughs> and um and here I am that's right well I tell you what we we're gonna have callers coming in if you hit the call button we'll start answering if we don't have any calls we are gonna start going through some questions with Bonnie and uh, we're gonna be working through just uh, her experiences and we'll talk through some solutions on to help teachers out. So go ahead and hit that call button if you'd like to, and we'll uh, listen and uh, answer any questions that you have. Otherwise we're going to, we're going to go through some questions. And, and Bonnie, first thing is, is I've noticed when I look on Facebook and in social media, because you know, we're, we're all practicing our, our social distancing. So we can't get together but I'm seeing all the educators are, are experiencing challenges in this transition to distance learning 
and they're really feeling overwhelmed and it's just so much to handle. Why do you think they're having that experience and what, what type of solutions do you have? Well, I would say, you know, I've been, as I said, I've been doing managing virtual since 2013. And before I became, or when they asked me to become a manager, the first thing I said was, I want to teach some classes because I could not see myself leading a group of, of educators without having ever experienced the format that we were teaching in. And so I signed up to be, got, I put in all my information and went through training to be an FLBS teacher for the franchise. And I will say at the time, I was very overwhelmed myself. Um, I, I actually had questioned myself if I had aged past the point of being able to learn something new. <laughs> and um, I, I, I really, I like, I had a headache of how I, I can't learn this. But obviously with anything else, um, I learned it. And, but I, I would say that the instinct is for so many teachers is that, and students and administrators is, oh, it's virtual, it's gonna be easy. And so you're going into something with a mindset that it's gonna be easy. And then it's much harder and more difficult than what you had prepared yourself for. And so it is easy to get overwhelmed um, but I think every teacher finds their own, um, groove, so to speak. Like for instance, and these are just little simple things. I have a, a rule when I'm dealing, whether it's either, either as an administrator or as a teacher that everything I do, if I'm working with it, I'm doing it at my computer. Um, I won't take a phone call at the grocery store. <laughs> Uh, or in my car or some other place because in your first instinct is, oh, I'll just take this call and take care of it. But if you're like me, I forget what I told the person. I'm just not in the place to do my work. So make yourself a workspace, make yourself a schedule, make sure, make yourself a routine that you stick to because otherwise it, it will become overwhelming. Um, you're not seeing those students face to face. It's hard to put a name with an assignment when you're not actually uh, working in the face to face world, the virtual world, it can become very blurred very quickly. So I really feel it's all about finding your own, um, just your own rhythm. Now, other teachers, uh, you know, I talked to some teachers, they're, they're able to, to to assist their students in all kinds of places. I, I'm not that way. I need to, I want to sit in front of my computer. I want to have all their, their account open. I want to have their grade book open so I can see their work at that time. Otherwise, I, I would start dropping the ball and I'm not going to have that happen. Oh, I, I gotcha. And anyone that wants to call in now, please call in. We'll answer questions. But we're going to just dive in a little deeper on this one, Bonnie, because you know, that work life and, and separating, keeping a schedule where when you are working and when you have your family time and you have your time, that is critical. And we're, we're finding now, though, so a lot of these, a lot of the educators are at home with their kids. So it makes it even a whole different level because, you know, normally the kids would be at school if they're at a certain age or at daycare. So now they're at home, they're with kids and having that flexibility uh, is critical, right? Right. I mean, I'm even saying right now I'm at a, you know, we've been ordered to work from home in our present job. And I was telling a friend, I'm feeling really anxious about it because even though I'm glad to be working from home, I can see my pool that needs to be cleaned. I can see all these other distractions around me that, that, stress me stress me out and I have to I still I, even at home I have to have a workspace I have to come in I have to sit there and not um not let those distractions get in my way as a as for doing my job and serving gotcha. the students gotcha. we have a, a caller come in let's go ahead and see uh all right caller your name hey Dr. Diaz it's Deb Walters how are you hey Deb I'm doing well do you have a question for us not necessarily a question, just um, Bonnie, you are so right. Um, 
since we've started back to school with uh, Pasco County on Tuesday, I've actually been working like 12 hour days. Um, that's been kind of hard to break away. There's been some expectations that we've had to do that I just felt like I needed to get accomplished to try to get organized. Um, because just that transition from being at school and in that workspace to being at home and trying to figure out that workspace and, you know, contact, contact our students and our parents and reassure them. Um, that's been a big task this week. So it's been very difficult. And um, I definitely agree with you when you're saying, you know, oh, wow, looking outside and, you know, the plant, you know, the plants need to be watered or the pool needs to be done. And, you know, I watched today while my daughter um, got some sun and was in the pool and I was still working. I'm thinking, hmm, I really need to work on being consistent with my uh, work hours. So um, even when I have a break in the day, um, I'm, you know, when my schedule, I was supposed to have a couple hour break before I come back and work later on since we have different shifts that we're covering each other. Um, yeah, that, that's been that really <clears throat> difficult does. too. That, that is where we, I think we all have that issue and, and then separating and really making that schedule because, you know, in Pasco, they said, you know, find your groove between eight and eight. And I keep telling teachers, you know, when the kids start to get those trends, you start to see the trends of when work's coming in and work starts coming in past eight. You have high schoolers turning in things late. Well, mm -hmm. you might get up at five in the morning, start grading so that you can get ahead. And then your your baby wakes up or whatever, and you start doing some family time. And then you mm -hmm. go ahead and make the schedule according to the trends. And Bonnie, have you noticed that those trends start to work out after a week or two? Bro, I do. I mean, one thing that I do, and <laughs> sometimes I think I sound crazy when I say something like this, I actually set a timer for myself. Like we have a seven and a half hour work day. Yes. I set, a, I set a timer on my phone. If I get distracted and have to go do something, I'll turn it off and then I'll come back to it. And I feel like I have done my job if I've put in my seven and a half hours. And I have learned over the years there is always something else to do. Um, mm -hmm. So you really have to have that guideline or those boundaries. And I, you know, I use it as, as time. Um, when my seven and a half hours are finished, unless it's something critical, because I do feel like in the virtual world, sometimes you're kind of on call 24 hours a day. And, mm -hmm. um, and again, with students I, I raised three sons myself a lot of them work their best work at two o'clock in the morning um so my phone will be dinging but you know i set that boundary for myself I'm, I, and i'll tell my students i'll 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 look at this in the morning um okay. but but just setting you know whatever your district has has assigned to you but i for mm -hmm. myself i put a time limit on it and once my time's done at home then it's done until the next day and just as okay. if i had left my office and closed the door that is awesome. yeah i appreciate that that yeah that's a great suggestion thank you for that i appreciate that yep the the, the time i've never even thought about that the timer and, and making sure you hit your seven and a half and then cut off because you know what you got to have your family time you've got to decompress and right. we, as educators, we'll just keep going and going and we'll say it's, mm -hmm. for, the kids, it's for the kids. But if we don't stay fresh for the kids, we can burn ourselves. Yeah, so, you're you know. right about that. Absol so. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Thank All right. you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, Deb. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, do we have any other callers calling in? Otherwise, we'll keep this convo going. And so on, on that note where we're, we're doing that separation and those overwhelming things, there are days, though, where you might do nine hours because you're crunched to get grades in and those things. And then you flex your day, of course, the next day. Isn't that how, is that about how you work it, Bonnie? That, that's exactly what I do. Um, and, you know, for those of you, maybe those of you who are new to virtual with the with the new changes, you know, prepare yourself around May 1st when every senior is trying to get all their work done that they've had all semester to do in one week. I, uh, I took vacation one time, the, the second week of May, and I will never do that again because every senior, and again, I'm, I'm working with guidance counselors. They're all contacting me to, to get their seniors ready for graduation. Um, 
but yes, I flex my time. If I've put in 10 hours one day, then, you know, we work a 37 and a half work, work week. So basically I, I just make sure I'm fair to my employer that I'm getting all of my hours in, but then I also am fair to myself that, um, that I shut off because, because virtual will never quit. <laughs> yeah. Um, from, from my standpoint and my position, I've kind of figured out that I'm, you know, I have a, a assistant, but myself and my assistant, we are the point of contact for 10 school districts. Every student, every parent, every teacher that works for us, myself and my assistant, we are the single point of contact for, for help for them. And so if we did not turn it off, um, we, it would just constant be constant. So, so you have to, um, I have a way of, I look at, because even as an administrator, 99% of the work is virtual and it comes through in, in work orders, whether it's an email, I call my emails work orders. Please put this student in this class. Please make this child an honor student. Um, please, this student's withdrawn going to another school. But it's just constant work orders that constantly have to be monitored. And another thing that I learned along the way just to keep myself sane was again, I will only, when I open an email, I take care of whatever that email is asking me to take care of. I, I never skip it to a pile to answer later because for my personality and what I've learned is if I put it, it's almost like shuffling a sheet of paper. If I shuffle it to a pile on my desk, it gets lost there and I never come back to it until someone's yelling at me. Um, so my emails whether it's from from students or from parents or from guidance counselors, I just I answer them as they come in in that order. Um, sometimes if I'm maybe I go on vacation and I usually work part of the time while I'm on vacation to keep up with emails. Um, but say I'm in a training for two days and I really can't get to emails, I'll just start right where I left off and answering them one at a time in a row and. And for me, it works. It keeps me from losing, losing or missing, taking care of a student or right. helping a school or a teacher. Yeah. Um, and, so. well, you know, and you, you hit a few points and I really like the timer and tracking your time, making sure that you're, you're hitting your, your time and you're flexing through the week. And then you talked about one thing and that beast of May. When, when everyone starts turning in work like crazy, your seniors are really going at it. They're going to make sure they get everything in. And that's something that, I mean, did you, do you prep for, are you like, you know that you're going to put in a lot of hours at that time on certain days because the students really are ramping up in May to finish the, finish the quarter in the year? Well, right now, like for um, our teachers, I've just put out, you know, it's April 1st. Now is the time to start making contact with seniors and senior parents. Um, from For the curriculum we use, FLVS, you know, we're required to have a monthly contact with parents. And that's the time to contact the parents and say, hey, they need to be done by May 1st. Now, in, in the virtual world, I have learned there is no deadline because a guidance counselor, last year we had a student that I swear was working until the morning of graduation to finish a virtual class that they needed for graduation so they could march that night. Um, we will do whatever we can for that student, for that school, for that, but... Um, I, I've learned to start April 1st is the time to start pushing your seniors to shoot for a May 1st. If right. they have everything done and seeing and you know, students rarely understand your deadlines. Tell them the deadline you need it to be. And then if it goes over, always give yourself a two week um, buffer because they'll go over. But May will be crazy if, if you do not um, get out in front of it. Yeah, and everything just starts coming in one after another. It's almost like a 
like you said, you've got to track what you're grading, make sure you're on it, everything you open, answer, and then uh, don't put it to the side because it can get cluttered and lost. And you don't want it to be that somehow you missed a senior, <laughs> you know, they're important. <laughs> the seniors are important. We can um, cover for the other ones, but, and usually there's going to be a guidance counselor breathing down your neck as well. All right, so we have a few more. If you hit that button to call in, if you have any questions, if you're just here and you're enjoying listening, just keep on listening. We will keep going through uh, some more questions with Bonnie. And again, Bonnie is the manager with PAEC, and uh, that stands for Bonnie? Panhandle Area Educational Consortium. Um, we manage... Uh, Okay, PAC is an educational consortium that provides educational services to the 14 rural districts in the Panhandle. Um, our our Florida we have a Florida virtual school franchise, but we also are uh, my virtual classroom is the is our virtual. I don't like to call it a virtual school. Some people call it that. We are not a school. We do not not um, offer diplomas or anything like that. But some people. They just refer to it that way, which is one of the confusing things yeah. in, virtu in virtual world. Um, okay. But we are an extension of the, the 10 school districts that we contract with to provide their virtual services. And we have a multi-provider um, contract. So we also do a little bit of Apex and K-12. Um, but the bulk of our of what we manage is FLBS for our school districts. All right. Well, hey, we have a caller in with us. That has a, uh, and caller, your name? Hey, this is Mr. Sheldon, Oli Sheldon, calling in. This is great, Dr. Diaz, that you're doing it. Can you hear me all right? Uh, we hear you great. Uh, okay. Any questions, anything? I was just going to comment on some of the stuff that Miss Bonnie was saying right there, especially about seniors, if there's uh, new virtual teachers on here. That, that idea about her um, timer is fantastic. I couldn't do it the way that Miss Bonnie does it because I teach mainly seniors. So I completed 315 economic seniors in the district I, have, I teach in last year. And all those seniors mean I need to be available when they get off work. So if there's in the morning from, I don't know, say from 8 to 10, I'm dealing with students that are in a classroom or in a lab. But at night, I do DBAs Monday through Thursday at night for seniors only. And finding that flexibility, especially this time of year from April 1st, and we have an April 15th deadline in Marion County, but Miss Bonnie, again, is right on. We'll have students that go to May 15th or May 20th. But for seniors only, availability at night to let them know that they can still go to work and that you're going to be able to do a DBA with them is crucial, in my opinion, to being able to, to do this job. Um, so the 7.75, we, we put it in, no doubt about it, but especially if there's senior teachers listening or that have need some help with your 7.75 is broken up throughout the day because if right. you're not available at night for DBAs, you just can't do this job. I don't know what else to say. You, you wouldn't be able to. And that's hard for brick-and-mortar teachers to understand, I think. So I think what you guys are doing is excellent. This is, this is phenomenal, especially with the transition that's going on in the country. And I, I just thought being able to share that flexibility would be helpful. Do you mind staying on with Bonnie and I for a few with your experience as well? We, can, uh, we might even have some questions coming up. Do you mind staying on with us? I'm here for, I'm here. Uh, all right. No, no problem at all, sir. I'm going to keep you on. Anyone else want to call in, ask any questions? We have another teacher on here, Bonnie Wartenberger, a manager with a PAEC franchise and myself, Dr. Diaz to field any questions. So feel free to call in now as we're, as we talk through this, think about, um, how about that elementary teacher or Actually, let's think about the teachers that are designing their own curriculum weekly right now and pushing that out to their students. Uh, they're not getting that, that uh, FLVS curriculum that's already made into a system. They're having to design. What advice do you have? And that was Mr. Sheldon, correct? Yes, sir. 
what advice do you have for those teachers? So that's actually something that, um, so my, we, we're right now, uh, obviously, homeschooling our two children. So we have a, a third grader who's eight and a VPK who's five. So my wife and I are working full time. She's also a virtual teacher. Um, and then we uh, are homeschooling our, our children. My wife is pretty clear I need to stay in my lane. So she has this on lockdown, and then I do PER, and then I have them sit down uh, every day and do a little economics lesson. That uh, that's that's what I do. But my my third grader is getting a, a plethora of information thrown at her from her NH Jones, uh, you know, brick and mortar teacher. They didn't know how to use Zoom, so I actually trained, helped train them to to do Zoom. So they had a classroom meeting the other day, and they are developing tons of curriculum. My advice to them was, um, and it actually coincided with an, uh, an article that Miss Bonnie had sent, send less stuff, not more. Because these women, bless their souls, thought that they, they needed to send out 40 assignments. And it's like, you guys don't get it. My wife and I are going to try to get through, and we're trying to work full time. Be pointed with, your, with, with what you need. One or two activities the more the student can do without um a, a parent helping because a lot of parents are working from home that would be my advice to brick and mortar teachers you don't have to overdo it you will work into this um but overdoing it from the start it is just stressing out everybody anxiety is already high um I, you know how do they grade yeah. this stuff i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered questions in districts all over the state and the country and i think less is more to start, in my opinion. I am with you, and I gotta tell you, building capacity with the kids, and while you're doing that, mastering the products that you're using. So, Amen. So, you know, when you're building the capacity, I, you think about that weightlifter, you, or just us, we go to the gym, if we work out for an hour straight, we probably aren't moving the next day. So That's right. we, we've gotta start them out small, and also the products, and, and you mentioned Zoom, we're seeing all the issues with Zoom and security. Uh, you know, practice Zoom with your family, practice Zoom, you know, with, with friends, and, and practice on the side so that you can really master it, and you can run a classroom efficiently, uh, efficiency, excuse me, efficiently in Zoom, and you can also protect security-wise with, with, your, with your students. Uh, I, go ahead, Bonnie. I, I was going to say, I did hear today that, you know, I've used Zoom for quite a while, and I didn't actually know it had this feature that there is a waiting room feature on Zoom that you can have. Everyone goes into that, and then the, the host lets the people into the room um, yes. to help control, you know, the, the odd uh, shenanigans that might go, go on. Right. So I teach I teach zoom classes also through the college of central Florida or there, I teach them brick and mortar, but I've actually had three now cause we've moved them all online. So last week and then, uh, actually this morning I had a zoom classroom. So miss Bonnie's right. You, 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 in your settings, you set a waiting room. So I admit whatever students I want into that classroom, it's an accounting class. And then I also disable screen sharing for the students, which is in your settings also. So the only person that can share a screen is me, the host, and the only person that can come to the meeting is me. Uh, and actually, CNBC had a security article today uh, about how to set the features in Zoom to make sure you know all the stuff we're hearing about security. You can definitely disable that as the host. So I think that's a real easy workaround. And Zoom is is fantastic feature that all students can can log into your class through and. And you can conduct essentially the same class as you were in a brick and mortar setting. All right. Let me ask you this with your experience in Zoom. Is there a way to make it so students cannot put a picture for themselves in their profile? So they so they cannot or they so they can. So they can't. Uh, one of the things I've noticed and, and I brought to my attention are inappropriate pictures in their profile when they enter a room. And now I, I explained that, you know, set those norms and don't allow them into the room and those things can happen, you know, ahead of time. But is there a way to disable that? 
So um, that's a great question. I, I hadn't heard that yet, but that makes sense to me. I think that if you were in the waiting room, you can see the profile of who you're letting in. They'll have their name will show up, and the profile that they've uploaded would be there. Um, so if you saw something inappropriate in the waiting room, you want to admit them into the classroom so nobody else would see it. Um, and you can just disable that person. You can just not let them in. Um, Right. So, but uh, that's something to look into, though, Doctor Diaz. I'm not sure if you can disable an individual's profile picture, uh, but that's a good question. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, Zoom. So, setting up in settings, going through, and it, and Zoom does a great job of explaining each button and what it's going to do in your settings, and you can really make things more secure. Bonnie, I really like the waiting room and admitting students one at a time. Pasco County Schools has set up a system where they may have one course with four or 500 students and four teachers splitting that course up in, in somewhat of a hodgepodge. Uh, it, it, put your mind around that. It's a toughie, right? Right. I was, I've actually been communicating with a Pasco teacher about that. And, and that's a tough one. Um, I, that's a tough one, especially when we're talking about Zoom. And I, I know the teachers could work out a system where they, you know, they have certain students uh, go into Zoom with their normal teacher. So they could set up a system. And, and I'm working on a system within our school. But yeah, Zoom, Dr. Diaz, does have breakout rooms. I'm not 100% sure I understand what you're saying. So they put 400 students in one class they did yeah four or five hundred and then they have multiple teachers teaching those 400 students well so if it was 400 in one class like in a zoom setting and let's say it's an economics class and you had three or four economics teachers and you wanted to split them up you would just put you would you would admit them into different breakout rooms and then have a, each teacher you can have more than one host in a zoom meeting Right. Each teacher could host a breakout room. Um, that would be one way to do it. That that does seem a little odd to me. Right. A yeah. little a little hard. It, it it's pretty challenging. So um, it's a system they came up with, which I got to tell you, the positive is they built the curriculum for all the teachers. Now there are many counties where teachers are building their own curriculum as fast as they can, and like you said. Some of them feel like they have to throw everything at the kids they possibly can. It's almost like, you know, look what we do. Exactly. And, I think and, that's exactly what it is. They're trying to justify why they're getting paid because kids aren't coming in. And I had this conversation with Ms. Carter, my third grade teacher. I go, you're getting paid. The district has the money in the system. You just got to keep pushing content and, and, you know, basic communication but you need to stop stressing out because it's not helping any of us when you send 46 assignments for them to do in a, in a week or in a day. Right. It's just insanity. And then, and then teachers on the backside are, are stressing out because they, now they can't get through all the work and the kids are at home crying and parents. I, I tell you, when I did this, I had a lot of parents getting in touch with me going, well, hold on. We want to have a podcast for parents right now because we're having major issues. So, right. I, I yeah, mean, I, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I tell you, uh, let's see. Do we have any questions? Anyone want to call in, press that call button, and we can answer some questions, and you can come on in with your questions uh, by all means. All right. So, well, let's keep going on with some, some other questions. Um. What is the most common reason students give up in distance learning? And this, you know, I, when I've talked to teachers, they're like, listen, I can't get some of these kids to do the work in class when I have them. And now we're going to have them at home, motivation, those type things. So let's talk about a few of those things, Bonnie. Well, I can say I will refer back to my original thing that everyone thinks it's easier than it is. <laughs> And so as an administrator, oftentimes I get the phone call from a parent who, as you just said, their child hasn't been successful in a brick and mortar situation. And now sometimes, sometimes virtual is their last ditch effort for this child. Um, and sometimes 
Well, let's start with that. Uh, so sometimes virtual is a great fit for a student, a student that wasn't being successful in, in the classroom because maybe social problems, you know, whatever that might be. And virtual is a great fit for them. But there's many others that if they have not been being successful in brick and mortar and now they think virtual is going to be the easy solution, again, their mindset is, I'm going to be starting something easy. And then it's not easy and they struggle. And so what I tell my parents when they're registering them, usually it's for home education services, that we're going to sign your child up. We're going to put them in one class to start with because typically the bulk of who we serve are 6th through 12th grade and they're signing, you know, a full-time home ed students could be signing up for six classes at one time. If they have never done virtual before, they are going to be so overwhelmed with six welcome calls and six just is too much. And so I start them off with one class to let them get their, get their, feet solid in it um the ones who it's too much for them just ultimately will quit quickly i mean they will they will enroll and within two weeks they're calling me to say they're going back to brick and mortar school because they it to do the virtual the not only does the student have to be disciplined but the parent has to be disciplined to make sure the student's disciplined and so if discipline's already been a problem, virtual is not going to be a good, good fit for them. But for those students, let's say just in, in Florida, you know, I think it's so wise. And for those of you who don't know, Florida is so far ahead of most of the rest of the country, of all the country of the United States in virtual. And so... If you feel you're struggling right now, trust me, other places are struggling much more than, than Florida is. But with that said, you know, the I've lost my train of thought. Um. <laughs> no, you're right, Miss Bonnie. Every, everything you're saying, Miss Bonnie, is, is spot on about the trouble that students have in virtual school. That's what you were talking about when they right. when they right. when they and I don't know, Dr. Diaz, if uh, if like, I think another important thing is the parity in courses. I think sometimes we'll enroll a student in an easier virtual course um, that they might be able to do. And then when I get them in economics, and I have this conversation with our enrollment counselor all the time, they thought that economics was going to be easy because they, you know, they took, and not that there's like super easy courses online, but there's definitely some that are not as difficult yes. as some of the core classes. And that makes it harder for us that teach the core classes when I get a student who's like, oh, wait a minute, you're going to make me read for this DBA. Oh, you aren't going to tell me what the questions are for this DBA ahead of time. Uh, and, and I taught in the classroom for, for six years, economics. It's harder to take economics online than it is in the classroom, without a doubt. You have more reading to do. There's more writing to do. There's more work that gets submitted. The grading on the assignments is more detailed, my feedback, than it was in the classroom. Um, there's way more uh, pedagogical um, um, uh, resources I could use in a classroom that it, online, I mean, Miss Bonnie is an administrator. She'll review my feedback in the classroom. I'm not getting that constant review from a principal, so we could do, like, exit slips to, to be able to grade stuff m much quicker than I could online. It's difficult, and I think a lot of students enroll thinking it's easier and they come to find out, oh, wait, this isn't near as easy as I thought. And Miss Bonnie's right. A lot of times within two weeks, a kid is out. And the ones that stick with it and start to show that discipline and the work ethic, those are the ones that can succeed. But they have to be independent learners. They have to be able to time manage. Um, and they have to be willing to do the reading and writing themselves more so, in my opinion, than they do in the traditional classroom right now. Right. right. And I would, what I would add to that is in a – in a traditional classroom, you're standing in front of a bunch of students and you're saying, turn to page 26, answer questions one through five. Well, a virtual student, they have to read through to actually find out what the instructions are just to do the assignment itself, even before yes. actually doing the assignment. 
And, you know, that's the frustration they will have. But what I will do when I have a new student, especially when I do a welcome call with a student, I will ask them, is this your first class you've taken online? If it's their first one, then I'm going to plan on having a call with them and tell them, this is where lessons are. This is where you're, yes. you're they have to be handheld to grow some confidence to before they're going to be able to take off. And a lot of times starting with an easy course is a way to get them to know the platform and then go on to your economics. <laughs> that, that's, a good, that's a good point too. And I have a welcome video on all my web pages too that do exactly that. If they watch, this is the logistics of the course, how you get to the lessons, how you turn an assignment in, how to attach a Word document, the basic logistics stuff. And FLVS has that out there too. Uh, those right. logistics, uh, those are vital and communication. And as far as getting that student that is not doing any work, just getting in touch, listening to the kid, asking them to do one thing, just That's to right. start yes. them off. And once they start, now, there, there are times where you can't get a kid to do anything and, right. and those things happen, but, and, and we're now in a situation where we can't remove them from they're in these, this program in Florida. They're in the, if they're online in a district, this is their program. They have to get with it or they're not getting credit or they may not get credit. Right. So, we don't have that option. I, I got to tell you, Mr. Uh, Ryan Baker wrote in and he's asking about communication other than email. I'm going to take this up front. Our district moved to, um, they're using, they've asked all of us to sign in with uh, Google Voice to utilize Google Voice and texting. I use a bulk texter in Google Voice that helps. So I can send out to every student at one time or every parent at one time communications and it identifies and separates so that, you know, they feel like it's a personal message to each one of them. That helps me as far as communication, any other communication. I mean, we have zoom now that we're using and, um, and with the breakout rooms, I imagine we could even do some DBAs in a break in a breakout session. Is that possible, Mr. Sheldon, as far as breakout rooms and, and doing? Oh, no, no doubt. We do. We do. Uh, we, we, we have drive by DVD DBAs. We have drop in DBAs where, um, where I'll, uh, when I say I'll, our, our entire district has, um, online office hours. And we do this when we teach summer school, but we've moved all of our, uh, office hours online. So three hours once a week, all the teachers, a student can come into our Zoom room, and inside the Zoom room, they can get tutoring help. Um, they, we can we can share our screen, so I can show them right through. You know, lesson 1.4, supply and demand, and an economic scores. Uh, and then, if if there are students that want to do DBAs, we can put them in breakout rooms. And you can actually, if you just get the one student in a breakout room, and everybody else, uh, everyone else is outside and they're muted, you could do the DBA inside Zoom. What I do is I always just have the student call me, um, do the DBA with them if that's what they came to the office hours for, and then go on to whatever else it was that I was doing. Um, so there's great options um, with the Zoom platform online for students to have access to the teachers. And I'll tell you right now, with a Zoom open office hour, like what Ms. Bonnie's saying, the logistics of the course, a student being able to come to me and saying, Mr. Sheldon, I don't understand this. I can share my screen with them and literally walk them through lesson 1.1.4 or 2.6. It has been astronomical in being able to help. Um, and the, the one other point I would make too, when they can see my face, a lot of times for whatever reason, sometimes I may be talk too fast or a little bit abrasive or come off. But when they see my face, it helps the student to be like more comfortable with me, you know, demanding them to read or write as opposed to through an email or, or it's not, it's very impersonal. So I think that, you know, I think Zoom's invaluable for the connection that you lose when you, you're not in the classroom um, for students that want to take advantage of it. And there are a lot of students that literally just want to come in and, and say hi, I think. And I think it, I think there's some great, there's some great ground we can all break as virtual instructors um, with these, with these virtual platforms. Gotcha. Well, I, you know, I always say, you know, when I hit that phone call, when I'm with that student, I uh, even even a welcome call. Anytime I have communication, I have to have that warm up time with the kid so they you know, they understand it's not just business. I want to know who they are. 
how they're doing, you know, what's going on in their lives. And then we get to work really fast and go through everything. But I, I have to warm them up just a little bit, you know, maybe no that's doubt. just my, uh, no, my I think that's background. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. it is. And Zoom, well, they, if they can see I was going to, they, they do want to know, for, for those of you who are transitioning from brick and mortar to virtual, um, you already have that relationship with your students, but if you're meeting virtual students for the first time that you're not going to see face-to-face, it is so important to make that first welcome call with them. Just let them get to know you. They want to know who you are, even from the virtual thing. I've had students, as soon as I we've had a conversation on the phone, they will have Googled me on <laughs> and send me information about me. And I'm like, okay. Um, But they want to get to know you. So make sure that relationship is open with them. And the same is true with the parents. I can't tell you how many times the parents will tell me, thank you so much for all this communication you're doing with me. When you get the parents on board with you, with the student, you know, you're going to have double the success. I just, you know, I tell mine up front, I'm going to send you a text every two weeks that how far along they are. And if, and I said the, the bad text is when I send it and it's going to say they haven't worked in two weeks. Um, as soon as I send that, the parents are like, Oh, they'll be working, you know? So get that relationship with the parent and with the student. And that's half your battle right there. There you go. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, as far as, uh, once you've established that and and when you have the kids sending you pictures of their prom or, or they're like, look, at, you know, with driver's ed, even after they complete the course that I've had, all of a sudden they're texting you going, I just got my license. You know, you you hit something with that kid. And that's really awesome stuff. A- anyone out there have a question? Hit the call button and we'll put you on and you can ask a question uh, directly to us. And that would be really cool if you uh you want to join the party here well let's let's go into a few oh we do have someone here we go all right uh mark how are you and we are not hearing you right hey, now. what's happening there you are all right uh did i okay so it switched from my earbuds to my phone okay <laughs> um so i i had posted a something earlier and I listened oh gosh probably for about 40 minutes already and I'm I'm hearing a lot of people that who are online uh, that teach online uh, my struggle is with uh, since the beginning of the year um, dealing with a new principal and having them understand that to have that online uh, course just in case uh, things like this happen and uh, not only that is, um, you know, I, uh, I created some courses for the college as well. And, um, you know, having the Canvas course is, is a good resource, um, you know, for the students and for the teachers. Uh, if they happen to go out for a week or a uh, couple days, uh, pick up on a Canvas class instead of giving them a video or a a handout to do or something to have them continue on where they left off, but go into the module where you need to be uh, and continue to work. Right. I'm this great, you know, now everyone's having this experience. We're thrown into it. I think we're going to see a lot more of that blended from this point on. I think this, we are definitely in a shift. Uh, Bonnie, how, how, what do you think on that one? I, 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 absolutely think we're in a shift um that we will turn the corner i'm trying i'm going to try to pick my words carefully on this but (laughs) i have i have noticed you know we have been doing virtual florida virtual school has been in existence for 23 years but there are um decision makers who still think of virtual as something that the state has made us do and and are defensive about it they they're defensive that they 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 have not embraced virtual for what it, the opportunity is instead they're defensive and try to avoid it 
And I'm looking at school districts. There are some school districts who are not doing anything online at all. They are sending everything home in paper packets by school bus and being picked up once a week. And, and again, in a state that we've been doing virtual for 23 years, that, that really shouldn't be happening. But, but this is opening everyone's eyes to we better have a plan. I was in a meeting today online, of course. <laughs> and... Um, and I suggested to these school districts that regardless of what your plan is right now, <coughs> what's going to happen in August if we're not going back to school? You know, the, what is the plan? And I, I wish they would have used this month or month and a half to actually really use it as a test run for what would we do if we had to be on virtual or what are the opportunities we really could explore with virtual for expanding curriculum in our in our schools? Again, I'm in the small rural districts where a lot of our school districts are very limited on what can be offered. Um, and so I think they had the perfect opportunity to do uh, an active test run of virtual. And there's quite a few that have missed the missed the boat on it. Um, so again, I would I, I do think you they are going to make decisions differently because now they know this can happen. Um, and so I, I do feel virtual in general for both parents, students, and schools is going to make take a make a big turn. Um, the parents are really seeing that some of these schools weren't prepared for this. Other schools were prepared for it. Um, so it's been eye-opening, but, and again, the state of Florida is more prepared than anyone for this. And so, but, and we're still, and we're still struggling. Um, and there really wasn't a need to, I, where I was sitting, there wasn't a need for this much struggle, but. That is, now that, yeah, we, we've talked about that before, and that really came down to the districts as well, right? So that right. ultimately those policymakers and we won't go into that right now because that could be a whole show on its own. <laughs> right. Well, I will say I was at the, the DLAC conference, digital learning conference um, about a month ago in Austin. And so, uh, one of the keynote speakers gave a good um, speech. And he said, when I first began in digital learning, I was having to convince the decision makers of why we needed to do this and um he said, but now a lot of the decision makers actually took virtual courses when they were in college or high school because it's been around long enough. And so now it's it's easier to get those people on board. And that's what it takes. I mean, it takes experiences um, as a virtual manager. I loved it when I could get a principal to actually be one of my teachers as well. Because then I knew that that principal was going to see the opportunity that virtual offered. Um, because people people only know what they know. If they've had no experience with virtual, then they have a mindset that it's easy, that it's just a thing the state's making us do. In some instances, they're worried that it's taking their FTE dollars or their students. Um, and so they only know what they know. And until we educate them, until they experience it, um, their mindset doesn't change. But I think this whole experience that we're having right now is going to change some mindsets about it. Yes. And uh, let's let's go through one more one more as far as uh, challenging. Or, um, and I just want to ask you: you started on this. Some common myths about online education and. Uh, how you debunk those myths, Bonnie? The, I've said it three times. The common myth is that it's too that it's easy. <laughs> um, right, and, and everyone's and, everyone's understanding how difficult this is. <laughs> and yeah. and you say on the student side that myth is I can rock this class way easier and faster, right? <laughs> that. Dr. Diaz, that's right. What what you're saying to her is correct. The students believe they could do the course um, quicker or easier than they could in the classroom. Um, part of the issue, too, sometimes is because there's Play-Doh courses uh, that students are aware that exist. 
So, and even lab technicians or some teachers are like, well, virtual is kind of like Play-Doh and you'll have a student that comes in sometimes and skips and only does quizzes. So you're locking that student out of the class. You're putting them in CI. You're calling them. We got to work in order in the class. Um, so I think Bonnie is one, Miss Bonnie is 100% correct. If you educate the powers that be that we can do everything in virtual that you can in a classroom, there was no reason for any of this. You could have enrolled everybody into virtual classrooms, which it sounds like they might be doing in Pasco County. Um, they are, and then, I believe. And, and then, and then, and then we teach. We the the virtual teachers could have easily, and and we were willing, and and easily still can. I mean, I'm already kind of doing this. You train brick and mortar teachers on how to use Zoom and how to, um, you know, go in and great and grade assignments that are that are getting submitted. It's not going to be perfect right away, but it's a it's a backup to the brick and mortar. Uh, the brick and mortar system. And I think technology uh, uh, is a huge um, is a huge selling point for for explaining to the powers that be in with a zoom classroom and FLVS content. I can do every single thing that I can do in a brick and mortar classroom with those technology features, as long as my students have access, obviously, to Internet and to a computer. So if we're focusing on something, you want to talk about being able to save money, let's get internet and computers in the, in the hands of everybody in the district. And then you could, you, you could instruct and you could do the 405, 504 ESC. You could, we could do everything. Um, right. And, and Florida, Florida's way ahead of the game, um, way ahead of the game. My, my father uh, taught in Oregon uh, for 35 years and they're moving everything online right now. And it's an absolute cluster. They don't know what they're doing. They're using their their personal cell phones and Google uh, Google Classroom to try to create stuff on the fly. It's not you know Oregon like our Sunshine State standards. The content the teachers are making, they don't know if it meets standards. The unions freaking like they'd have no idea. So Florida is way ahead of the game, like Miss Bonnie said. Um, right. But there's still a long way to go. Right. And well, and I will say this: what you touched on, we can do everything. And um, the one. You know, everyone out there making their own assignments and everything. I'm not, I'm not one that who's going to reinvent the wheel. If you have content that's already been created, why are we wasting our time making new content? The content yes, is there. You don't have to make lesson plans. You don't have to grade as many. You know, a lot of stuff's auto-graded. You get to actually teach. You get to work with that student either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. For the, to help them get mastery and you're not spending your time cre creating your curriculum. It's already there. And why more districts did not take advantage of that, I don't know. There was also a thing put out by the governor that the school districts should take the money that they're saving by not having school every day and put that money to buying devices for students. Um, Years ago, we were supposed to be one-on-one, -on -one, obviously, that, that didn't happen. But there's far more devices. You know, I will say this. One of the arguments that I've heard from multiple places is since every student doesn't have a device and every student doesn't have Internet, then we can't do virtual at all. Um, yeah, that's insa that that's insanity. Let's touch 95% of the students and the other five we're going to work with as a community to get to. But you're not right. going to defeat the purpose of everybody for the 5% or the 4% that, that don't have access. That, that's yeah. just, that's silly. Right. For the, but you're for right. The, yeah. for, for the 5%, they should have been saying, we're going to get them devices and internet. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and I got to tell you, our plan in Pasco they, they've been distributing computers out of every school, and, and if not every school, they've had locations for people to come pick up computers. They've offered every possible solution. There's still some issues in very rural areas where they can only use satellite for internet, and they're working on that. So, well, I gotta tell you, it, we're almost out of time. Uh, Mr. Sheldon, I put a note in there. If you'll email me, I'd love to have a conversation with you outside of this. And of course. So that we, uh, if you'll do that, and then I'll get back with you. Email me your contact information. I'm going to go ahead and and hit this outro. I got to tell you, um, it is awesome having you on here, Bonnie. You were amazing. 
Mr. Sheldon, you gave great insight. Thank you so much for both of you. Absolutely. Miss Bonnie is amazing. Thanks for having me stick around too. I really enjoyed it. This was great, y'all. This is anytime we can get the information out there to help people, this is something that's really cool. All right. Well, y'all have a great one. And thank you for your time. I'm just going to hit a little bit of tunes and we're, I'm going to talk the way out of this. If y'all want to hang up. Yes, sir. Can. Have a great one, guys. Thanks. Y'all, uh, that was Current Trends in Education with Dr. Diaz. And we had our guests, Bonnie Wartenberger and Mr. Sheldon hung around quite a bit of time and answered questions. His insight was great. Bonnie uh, shed to light quite a few things that helped out. Make sure you time yourself. Keep yourself in check so that you're there for your family and you don't burn out. And that's really a big key as you're going through this. Everyone, I appreciate you sticking around. If you will tell your friends to listen to current trends in education, we will make this community bigger. And every week I plan on having a different guest so that we can talk out and uh, support each other as we go through these changes. And I appreciate you. I hope you had a good time. That's it for us today. <laughs>